we get to our next guest, Dr. Matthew Flory, I would like to read excerpts from some articles written by Dr. Pompa. You can check out his work at drpompa.com. The World Health Organization has recognized glyphosate as a probable carcinogen. Researcher Dr. Nancy Swanson, a former U.S. Navy staff scientist, has found correlations between pancreatic, colon, thyroid, kidney, and liver cancers, and glyphosate exposure. What happens when GMO crops are sprayed with glyphosate? Once sprayed, glyphosate can't be washed off, and it ends up being absorbed into every cell of the GMO plant. Dr. Stephanie Seneff, MIT researcher, points out that because GMO plants have a bacterial gene inserted in their genome, they become resistant to glyphosate. As a result, GMO crops are able to survive extremely high levels of Roundup without dying. Because of this resistance in the last few years, glyphosate use has increased by 800%. Low energy, digestive issues, weight gain, thyroid imbalance, allergies of all kinds, depression, chronic pain, brain fog, difficulty sleeping, skin problems. These are the top 10 symptoms of the effects of the toxin glyphosate. Since 1993, there has been a coinciding rise in celiac disease with the increased practice of spraying grains with glyphosate. You can also see the same correlation with autism and Alzheimer's disease. Glyphosate is responsible for putting holes in our gut so that denatured proteins can cross through the lining to our blood. They then act as foreign proteins to which our immune system makes antibodies. This in turn drives massive inflammation, food allergies, many strange symptoms, and eventually disease. Glyphosate binds our body's minerals by building a cage around them. When this takes place, our cells don't have access to the minerals because they are hidden in the glyphosate molecules. Dr. Seneff explains that glyphosate then carries minerals to vascular areas where they interact with vital fluids, such as the kidneys and urine, the cerebral spinal fluid in the brain, and the salivary glands in the jaw. All these areas are extremely acidic, and under these conditions, as glyphosate unloads its cargo, these metal minerals become toxic. This can greatly compromise those areas of the body. According to Dr. Seneff, this is one of the main reasons why excessive glyphosate exposure can cause kidney failure. In Sri Lanka and Central America, young agricultural workers who sprayed glyphosate on sugarcane were dying of kidney failure at an epic rate. Because their untimely deaths were linked to glyphosate exposure, it has now been banned in those countries. And here's one that I've been saying for many, many years, but I didn't really know why. Cholesterol is not the problem. The real issue is oxidized cholesterol because oxidized molecules damage the inside of the arterial walls. And what causes LDL to oxidize? You guessed it, glyphosate. Glyphosate affects a multitude of body functions, but according to Dr. Seneff, it is extremely damaging to the mitochondria inside our cells where our body makes ATP energy. What's more, glyphosate disrupts the production of DHEA sulfate, testosterone sulfate, and cortisone sulfate in the adrenal glands, compromising our all-important hormone balance. And in an article by Vicki Batts, 
Scientists from the University of Canterbury in New Zealand have piloted new research that shows glyphosate is not just an herbicide, but a potential vector for antibiotic-resistant disease. Next up is Dr. Matthew Flory. Dr. Matt specializes in functional medicine. He is also soon to be a podcast guest to talk about functional medicine and the functional medicine team he has created. Oh, it's a lot of functional. On that show, we will get to hear his background and his personal journey. Hi, Matt. Thank you for joining what I consider to be an extremely important discussion on glyphosate. Are you there? Hey, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm here. <laughs> Good. Great. So we've just had a segment uh, from uh, doc- uh, doctor. You're the doctor. Um, we've just had a segment with David Steltzer on how glyphosate affects the health of the soil and the grains that we eat every day in our cooking, baked goods, and processed foods. We know that the use of glyphosate extends way beyond GMO crops and has been used since the 80s as a desiccant to dry and kill the crops for early harvest. Now I'd like to talk about how these grains and other GMO crops affect our health and well-being through our gut microbiome. We can start with the fact that we've been told that glyphosate does not affect human cells, although I've recently learned that it also affects the DNA. Um, glyphosate affects the bacteria in our bodies, and we have 10 times as many bacteria as we have cells. So it's my understanding that it's through the bacteria disrupted by glyphosate that we are then affected in very negative ways. So um, that's my setup for you. You can take it away. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a good point because um, and it that point, um, which is a comment on the view that the shikimate pathway doesn't exist in humans, um, mm-hmm. is one of the one of the points that I think mires this topic of glyphosate in confusion in mm-hmm. the public. And, so I, you know, I did figure I would take just a quick moment and outline, uh, you know, a few of the of the handful of, of, of kind of confusing aspects of it. Oh, that's um, great. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, you know, so while it is very true that humans don't possess this um, uh, metabolic or biochemical pathway, uh, it exists in the vast majority of other life. Okay, we're talking single-celled organisms, uh, plants, uh, other animals, and so. Uh, it, it is a widespread, um, it's, a, it's a widely utilized pathway in the metabolic activity and biochemical pathways um, of life on this planet. Um, so glyphosate itself, you know, also it's very confusing because glyphosate itself is not nearly as toxic as uh, when it exists or when it's utilized or in, in its own uh, individual form. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, you know, anecdotally, you know, and I don't know if you've heard any of this, but anecdotally, I've you know heard uh, accounts of people rubbing it all over their hands or, you know, drinking a small glass of glyphosate, which I still wouldn't recommend. Yes. Um, right. Yeah. No, that was just recently yeah. posted on my on my Facebook uh, site yeah. for for a reasoning why glyphosate is just fine for you. Yeah, right. And, and, and the fact is, is that in its, you know, in its isolated state, it doesn't have quite the impact that it has when it's combined with, um, with its other companion chemicals. These, these chem, this chemistry is meant to, 
facilitate the delivery and, and the movement of this um, compound into the cells. Uh, and so the delivery chemicals help it get in there easier. It kind of smuggles it in. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, you know, I don't know exactly what the sources of all these stories are. You know, some of these things are, are somewhat anecdotal. Um, but, you know, it's important to understand that this information getting out there, even anecdotally, causes some of this room for confusion, you know, in the overall understanding of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, so bottom line is, is that something like Roundup is more dangerous than glyphosate by itself because it includes these delivery, um, these delivery chemicals and these delivery mechanisms. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you can kind of, yeah, you can kind of, there's a good book out there, uh, Genetic Roulette. And, you know, part of that book, uh, in fact, I think it's like the third part of that book kind of outlines how the producer of, uh, and patent holder here, Monsanto, has really, uh, the, the, the strategies and the tactics that they have used to produce bad science. Uh, sometimes it's called, uh, tobacco science. How <laughs> in, interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Given with respect to the, the great scientific uh, um, uh, information that the, the tobacco industry gave us for years, uh, masking uh, the dangers of it, you know, which eventually, you know, all, all truth, all truth comes to be known, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, Hopefully but, sooner, I, better than later. Oh, geez, I, I completely agree with you. I completely agree with you. And, you know, as we cover some of the some of the you know kind of more important aspects of how this affects our body um, and the pathways in which it does it, you know that just becomes more and more evident. But you know, a, a good example, just to give you a, you know example of you know how some of that science comes to be is uh, you know the biotech industry um, when it does its research um, very often, and I, I I can't you know I don't say it never, uh, but you know very often, most often, almost a lot of the science is based on ninety day studies. Um, and while, and while it, we know that it takes time and, and exposures for these, uh, these diseases, we might call them of the Western diet or, uh, otherwise known as maybe environmentally induced diseases, it takes time for them to develop an, an exposure. And so, you know, 90 days isn't, uh, really enough. And there was a very interesting, um, study done by a French toxicologist, uh, name of Seralini that, um, that uh, really just drives home this concept of what the difference is between the science that they put out there based on 90 days and what really is truly um, what is really truly happening. So this French toxicologist, he was actually on a board to determine if GMO food uh, would um, kind of be utilized, if it'd be approved for use. Um, and he took data directly from Monsanto and identified. Uh, you know, some of the most, you know, there's various products that they put out that are uh, Roundup ready, they call them, mm-hmm. which basically means they've been uh, genetically modified to be resistant. And so he took a few of those and he looked at the data and he chose the uh, Roundup ready corn to do more extensive study on. One of the reasons is because it seemed that there was more blatant evidence that there uh, were some issues underlying um, out of the data that Monsanto was, was, was producing. And so he took directly their data and he extended the study instead of just three months, he extended the study on livestock. I'm pretty sure it was, it was cows, um, to, out to two years rather than 90 days. Right. So we get a much more extensive look at, at what's going to happen. Right. And the interesting thing, if you consider that 90 days is three months, mm-hmm. what he found 
is he and there could be some conspiracy kind of theory you know ideas behind <laughs> this but what he interestingly found out or at least maybe we'll call it reverse engineering of science right rather than conspiracy theory right okay but, um uh, it's, you know i uh, at, at, at four months, so just after the common end point is to the, the range that biotech uses, uh, at four months is where the livestock started to develop things like tumors. Okay. <laughs> oh, interesting. Yes, that does that allow for some, some conspiracy uh, theories, right. doesn't it? So they hmm. can, yeah, they, so they can put out information claiming the safety and effectiveness of, of these things which literally only represented a window in which you wouldn't see anything had developed yet. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so, you know, I just find that incredibly interesting. Uh, again, whatever the motivation is there, or whether it was purely cons uh, circumstantial, mm -hmm. um, who knows, I suppose. You know, there's probably a couple people that know, I would venture to say. I but, would think um, so, yes. <laughs> <clears throat> but, you know, by the end of this study, uh, he had found that nearly 80% of the test subject had developed mammary tumors. Okay. Wow. 80%. Hmm. Uh-huh. So it really outlines the difference of what is good science, what is poor science. Um, and, you know, another, you know, for another conversation sometime on, you know, general aspects of toxicity in the environment and detoxification, uh, you know, we can get into the regular process of what the, the EPA um, and the regulatory in, um, uh, bodies in, in the states, their practices and how they approve things, uh, because there's a lot of information there, too, which we won't go into because it's not about glyphosate. But there's a lot of understanding there, too, that when you do understand how they do what they do, you just kind of shake your head and say, you know, they're not in it to protect us. You know, mm -hmm. they really unfortunately aren't. Um, but anyway, so that, that, that's a little bit. And then. Um, you know, one last interesting kind of aspect in this confusion, uh, um, this kind of confusion, uh, topic is, uh, that when biotech does their studies, they most often, and, and, and nearly all the time, they isolate their, the GMO proteins, um, uh, from other sources. So they use surrogate types of proteins. Again, they're not, extracting the proteins to test from their actual GMO products. They're too difficult for them to extract those. And so the problem here becomes that these proteins that are from a different source are not going to be expressing the same types of reactions um, and evidence of um, allergenicity or, or allergic structure uh, or toxicity. So, uh, Again, just another way that these uh, that these studies put out information that becomes very confusing to the general public and somebody who just kind of sees a post once and once and once in a while about you know their safety and efficacy. Well, you know that doesn't even make any sense to me. How how can you? I, I don't even see how you can do that and call that a, a, a an accurate study. You know, I'm study. not an expert. Yeah, I'm not an expert on the ethics of research-based science, but uh, you know, I think that that's that would that would you know that would certainly be another interesting topic of discussion for you on a podcast. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's kind of a red flag right there to me, yeah. anyway. Yeah. So you know, once we get once we get past some of that, uh, you know, some of the general uh, health and and and, and functional uh, disruptions that are associated with glyphosate on, on just the large scale, and we'll get more specific here as we go, but, you know, 
again, then it's not us so much as it is the uh, the gut bacteria, the organisms that are within us that are susceptible to uh, the disruption of this incredibly important pathway, uh, which is again is called the the shikimate pathway. Uh, and which organisms. we we can't live without this bacteria, right? I mean, this is part of who we are. Yeah, that, that's absolutely correct. Uh, you got to remember that the gut flora is involved in, of course, digestion because it's right there in the gut, mm-hmm. uh, and we'll get into the you know a little bit of specifics as to what it does for us. But then also, uh, it's involved in the immune system and setting up our immunity, and and that's systemic. So now, if we talk about digestion and the immune system, we now are talking about uh, potentially altering the ability for us to break down and absorb nutrients, which of course is a systemic issue to all cells of our body. We mm-hmm. need to feed them, you right. know. Uh, and then the immune system, you know, it wasn't. It was maybe ten or fifteen years ago that they started talking about the immune system as a uh, an organ system or, or a functional system that had its roots in every cell in the body or every individual organ system as we had looked at them to that point. And so both of these issues then, when it, we just talk on a broad scale about how glyphosate is going to in- influence our bodies, both of these are major, major systemic, far-reaching uh, issues that uh, are going to affect every single cell of our body. Got it. So once, yeah, I'll just kind of continue because on, on the fact that once we have then these systemic <laughs> uh, shifts, consequences that are set up in our body, it then, we can then break it down to how does that, which could be similar to all of us and affect all of us, how does that then kind of manifest in differences in how we as individuals respond to it? And that's where we get into the topic of, um, of nutrigenomics. And, uh, you know, there's this topic of methylation that's out there, mm, but it's, mm-hmm. it's really, it's about how our DNA expresses itself, um, and, and can create what are called single, uh, nucleotide SNPs in our genome as individuals. And that's what sets each of us then, um, single nucleotide polymorphism. Sorry about that. But it then sets each of us up to being susceptible to various types of, uh, expression. From these very systemic, chronic, sustained functional shifts and influence. Does that make some sense? So, is I, I think let, let let me summarize if I'm getting this correctly. Yeah. So, what you're saying is that this can be expressed uh, be in each individual differently. Is that yes. what you're saying? Yes. Yeah, and we'll we'll kind of touch on that as we go through, you know, the rest of the talk. But that's exactly right. Our okay. DNA SNPs, which are individual to our family and to the environmental influences that we've encountered, mm-hmm. you know, for me in my 41 years of life on this earth. Um, <laughs> I was wondering things, how old you are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Well, gave up the ghost there. But uh, the, the individuality then, it, it, it traces back to that. And so, again, it's good to talk about this in respect, you know, in close proximity to this confusion that's out there, because a lot of people might think, okay, well, if this is so bad for me, why don't I have the same problems as somebody else? Right? Good point. Really good point. Right. Yeah. And, and, and there's there's definitely explanation for why there's individual expression of disease and disorder uh, in the body functionally from there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then just one more real interesting uh, overall statement about 
about uh, glyphosate is we'll, we'll get into just a little bit of more detail about how it affects serotonin levels in the body. And if we want to talk about one of the greatest epidemics, um, in at least in the U.S., um, and certainly in the Western, quote unquote, Western world mm-hmm. uh, of overeating and then the weight problems and obesity that comes from that. Well, you know, serotonin is a known uh, appetite suppressant. It makes us feel satiated. Right. Mm-hmm. And so if we disrupt the production of that, you know, and nearly, you know, I think we, we might have spoke about this in a previous conversation at one point. But, you know, there's right, around 70 percent of the serotonin uh, for the entire body is produced in the gut. And so this is, you know, it just all points back to the central, uh, the central kind of link of the gut and what could be going on there. Um, and, and, and then we come to this uh, topic and, and the, the growing research right now of how glyphosate is going to uh, specifically interact uh, in, uh, in, in really about three major ways that we'll cover today. Okay. Well, isn't serotonin also uh, have to do with depression with serotonin levels? Yeah, abs- you know, absolutely. Serotonin, um, if, if I could say it uh, in a way that one of my mentors uh, d- described at one time, is serotonin kind of makes us feel good. Okay, mm-hmm. it makes us feel. It calms some things. Uh, it, it, those type of words can be used to describe the overall effects of serotonin, and so uh, we will. We'll, we'll 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 touch upon how uh, serotonin has uh, implications in. Uh, some of these, what we might classify as, you know, emotional or the psychosocial type of disorders that are out there, because there's really good, um, there's really good explanations right now as that need to be further researched that could show how these decreases in serotonin on a broad scale are increasing the, the types of things like these attacks that we're seeing you know, both on a, you know, somewhat of an international basis, but even just in, in, the, in the states and in our countries. I mean, the, 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 the rise of road rage and school shootings and all these things that are out there, they, they've got, there's got to be roots in it somewhere. Interesting. Knowing, I never thought yeah, of this know, connection. Right. Hmm. Yeah. And, and just knowing that something that is used widespread that is unavoidable to us as a society now, it's in our glyphosate being in our water, being in our foods. I mean, for crying out loud, unfortunately, in, in 2015, we had articles come out where glyphosate was even showing up in some organic foods, you know? And I know. So, right. And so it's just pervasive. So it becomes something to definitely take a look at and be somewhat sensitive to to try to help determine is this really driving some of these overall things? But, you know, the three. The three different major impacts of glyphosate, as I see them, uh, are number one, we already started to touch on this and we can you know, go a little bit more into the, the microbiome, right? Mm-hmm. The, 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 the bacteria that lives in our gut. Um, secondly, it has a significant influence on the micronutrients that are available to us from food, okay? And uh, then mm. maybe the biggest one, it's, it's hard to say which of these influences is greater than the other, <laughs> to be very honest. But um, uh, the other one that's a really, really important one is the utilization in our bodies of sulfur and more particularly the form of sulfur that is, uh, I guess you would say, maybe preferentially involved mm-hmm. in the biochemistry in our bodies, which is a sulfate. 
Okay. Okay. And so these three, I think these three topics would kind of provide a good outline for, for to direct the rest of uh, the rest of our discussion. Well, go for it. I'm finding this fascinating, I, and I'm really <laughs> appreciating. Uh, your ability to explain all of this in a way that I really think anyone can understand. You don't have to have any kind of a science background or medical background. Yeah, you, you know, uh, th that's something that I try really hard to, to, to do. Um, you know, various types of training that I've had over the years have, you know, tried, created an awareness uh, within myself. Um, of of trying to communicate on a, on a on a on a higher level and be able to maybe identify uh, people's you know are they more kinesthetic are they more auditory mm -hmm. are they mm -hmm. more visual and, you know obviously we don't have the advantage of maybe visual right now but uh, you know knowing knowing that you need to approach uh, explanation from various ways that that is something that I will at least try to to work in as as we talk about this but uh, maybe we'll go ahead and we'll just kind of continue to talk about. Uh, this dysbiosis and, and the gut bacteria uh, aspect of things right now. Okay. So, so unfortunately, what we know is that uh, glyphosate, you know, we've already established, we know that it's this shikimate pathway uh, that is what it affects and what it really disrupts is a good way to say it. Um, lactobacillus, Bifidobacteria, these are two of the more, you know, if you put it, those names out there to people that, uh, you know, stay somewhat abreast of, um, uh, of, of health uh, topics, they will recognize those all day long mm -hmm. these days as what we call beneficial bacteria. Uh, these beneficial bacteria do things like they synthesize vitamins, they create anti-inflammatory compounds in our body, they will maintain the integrity of the gut lining, uh, which basically you could also say uh, they would kind of dis discourage uh, the increased permeability of the gut lining, which, you know, here in a little bit, we will uh, we will identify as leaky gut. A lot of people may have hopefully heard this that term by now, uh, but they also produce energy substrates for us. They break down fiber in our bodies to produce things like short chain fatty acids, which are uh, essential for our colon cells uh, to, to to have for energy. It's their it's their energy source. So if, you know, mm -hmm. if you want a healthy colon, you have to have these bacteria these bacteria in there. Um, these uh, these these what are to this point these have been called this microbiome. The normal bacteria have been called commensal, which kind of just means that they're normally found there. And I think at some point that name will be changing because of the vast amount of benefits that these these organisms have. But they um, they stimulate cell growth. Uh, they repress the growth of other organisms, bacteria, fungus, yeasts uh, that could be that are pathogenic and create disease in our bodies. Um, mm -hmm. and, and then they they in terms of we, we already mentioned that they affect the immune system. They literally train our immune system to respond to certain pathogens while uh, giving us a, you know, pass on, on other, you know, oh, other interesting. Ones. Yeah. So it's really extensive. Um, the amount of the amount of function that they have. I mean, there's certain vitamins that we can't even derive from our food. If those, if these organisms aren't there, such as biotin, vitamin mm -hmm. K. Um, mm -hmm. And so 
uh, regulating this, the development of the gut, the immune system, uh, and, and the ability of the gut to both digest and absorb properly its nutrients are integral to understanding what are the problems with ingesting something that's going to disrupt and, and, and not only just disrupt, but they selectively disrupt these helpful organisms. It's just, it's absolutely insane because there are other organisms like a clostridium, uh, like a pseudomonas, uh, certain other uh, fungal or yeast species that are resistant to it. And so when we say, when we, when we throw this general term of dysbiosis out there, which basically comes in a lot of flavors, okay, mm-hmm. you could have, you could have uh, what I call a dysbiosis kind of infection, like a candida overgrowth would be that, that type of a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, the glyphosate will literally kill off and imbalance the good guys while letting the bad guys proliferate. Okay. Wow. Too right, bad. It, too bad it's of, not the other way around. I know. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. You know, we've got to kind of through education and you know activism and empowerment and, and information, we have to we have to kind of do that job ourselves mm-hmm, <laughs> of turning mm-hmm. these tables. Good point. Um, but yeah, this overcolonization is a huge issue uh, because, you know, then when you have that, you're opened up to infection, you're opened up to immune dysregulation, that immune dysregulation, the cytokines, uh, interleukins, the prostaglandins, the, the different inflammatory chemicals that they, are, that they produce, then in turn have the opportunity to epigenetically uh, affect our DNA of our body and trigger changes, this is what the epigenetic refers to, it triggers changes and alterations in how our genes, our DNA material, properly expresses itself to um, to attune us to living life in our environment, okay? Wow. And so when this happens, when, when our DNA expression is literally altered and, and, and these things are triggered, uh, lots of times this is a self-propagating problem. Meaning once that light switch is flipped on, you know, you're not flipping it off just by chance. You know, you've got to intentionally flip it off with um, a almost an antidote from the environment, you might think of it. And (laughs) these these epigenetic inflammatory pathways are literally what drives things like cancer or autoimmunity. And when you start talking about cancer and autoimmunity in this discussion, we now bring in uh, I mean, I don't. I, I couldn't even give you a number of individual diseases that fall in the categories of cancer or autoimmunity. It's. I know it's a, especially autoimmunity is a huge, huge, wide subject. Yeah, yeah, and 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 and, and truly, autoimmunity is one of my passion projects. I, yeah, that's something uh, that I really get into myself. But um, you know, there's about. Right now in the literature, there's about 90 different, nearly 90 different, different flavors of autoimmunity that are out there. Uh, and it ranges from everything from thyroid disease, um, you know, to more of the classic ones that we understood for, you know, for, well, I wouldn't say understood, but we had identified mm-hmm. uh, in years past like lupus or rheumatoid arthritis and, and those sorts of things. Right. So, yeah. So that, 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 
the general effect on the flora of the gut, then you can kind of see how it can start with one thing and expand into major, major implications for our overall health and right. the types of diseases that we suffer from. Right. Wow. So yeah. I and I'd also like to say here that uh, in the episode that you and I uh, uh talk about functional medicine, we can get into then, so what do we do about it? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. So as we're talking about these bacteria, the next thing to really realize is that uh, both when glyphosate is put on foods and it disrupts the shikimate pathway, as, um, as well as when it affects the organisms in our gut, it's doing some specific things, and we'll just highlight two of the more, prof- like the bigger things, is its disruption of the me- metabolic pathways of tryptophan and tyrosine. Mm. Okay, mm-hmm. and this is where we kind of get into that whole serotonin question, and and, and you know, kind of promise that we touch on that again. Well, so tryptophan is something that would be, uh, you know. How about this? Years ago, when we ate a pound of food, we got a whole greater amount of tryptophan than to this day when we eat a pound of food. Why? Mm-hmm. Because that food, this, these cycles, the, the, the shikimate pathway has been disrupted in these, in these plants. And so tryptophan is the sole precursor to serotonin. Okay? Mm-hmm. It's the only thing that can be converted into serotonin. And so if we've got a tryptophan deficiency or tryptophan processing problems, guess what? You're just not going to have enough. And low serotonin, not only is it going to lead, like we mentioned, to increased appetite and overeating, um, but a lot of these things that we mentioned, the calming effect. And so, you know, we see, we see low serotonin correlated in the literature directly with aggressive behavior. All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so wow. our anxieties, our, our depressions, you know, the d- low tryptophan triggers and it brings on depression in those that are susceptible in their genetic makeup to developing depression. Ah, OK. So now I've got a question here. So okay. I know a lot of people will take a supplement called 5-HTP to increase tryptophan because that's a precursor to tryptophan, Correct. Right, right. So does that mean then that it's it's not really going to well, be able to do much? Yeah, you know, part of that trip, uh, part of that would be processed with with the, with the, with the um uh, with, in the organisms of the gut, and if you're impairing them, then you're certainly taking away the amount of benefit you'd be getting from the the, the organisms um the organisms carrying out uh, some processing of tryptophan. So uh, while I wouldn't say that it's completely ineffectual. Um, the way I usually, you know, personally go about that is I like to use something that's not just 5-HTP, but it gives some of the other uh, metabolic, uh, uh, we'll just say substances necessary to have your end effect, which is often the whole serotonin, melatonin uh, kind of question uh, mm-hmm. that I think you're hitting on there. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Okay. So, you know, uh, tyrosine, this is another big, uh, big topic when it, when um, it, it in this realm that we're speaking of right now, because tyrosine is a precursor to dopamine mm. and dopamine, low dopamine is, is kind of, it's kind of what the problem is with people that develop Parkinson's. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Right. Uh, yeah. So, um, you know, in fact, it's so much so known that Parkinson's sufferers are readily already told, uh, that they need to be in, 
uh, avoiding environmental toxins, especially the organophosphates, which we find those used um, in a lot of the pesticide materials. Okay, so somebody again, somebody's already suspicious about this out there, but for some reason, the uh, the common knowledge hasn't quite been been uh, been alerted to, to some of these things. Mm-hmm. So there, th- you know, there's a, a huge problem there with 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 dopamine. Uh, and it's really it's the same story as tryptophan. Both the food is already deficient in the tyrosine due to um, due to the the, the the effective blocking that glyphosate does uh, in that pathway. But then also it, it, uh, the devastation on the gut bacteria um, also has an implication, just as in tryptophan has the same t- sort of implication with tyrosine. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, you know, then the problem even further is not only do, um, not only, uh, do these, these essential amino acids, their, their metabolic pathway get disrupted by glyphosate, but the products that they should be producing that are beneficial to us are shifted over to a different product that is, guess what, toxic. Okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. And and I'd like to point out, you now you just pointed out that these are essential amino acids. If I recall uh-huh. correctly, essential meaning that we have to take them in from uh, endogenously or, or exo. No, wait, did I say that wrong? Ex. Anyway, yeah, we have to take them from exogen, right? Exogenously from the outside that we don't that we don't uh, produce them uh, ourselves. Yeah, thank you for bringing that up and reining that back in because that's exactly that's exactly correct. What you stated there is exactly right. And so instead of us then being able to um, being able to uh, to glean these amino acids from uh, our environment, we are actually producing and, and and getting toxic materials like ammonia and formaldehyde. No kidding. Mm, wow, okay? that's how you can't get much right. more toxic than that. No, no, those are those are those are huge issues um, that, again, we could talk about more on a different, you know, different kind of conversation, specifically about detoxification mm-hmm. and hormones okay. and that sort of thing. Great. But, so, then, you know, another one of these issues that we brought up is that uh, that of micronutrient depletion. OK, by glyphosate. Glyphosate, um, it, it does what we call chelation which is binding up of micronutrients and especially minerals is, is where this really becomes um, uh, an important conversation. And uh, the, the cations, the two plus cations or things like calcium, okay, um, magnesium, zinc. In fact, zinc is very much implicated. Uh, the sulfur that we'll get to lastly and then zinc are very much um, implicated in autism, okay? Mm-hmm. But uh, – Manganese, molybdenum, uh, cobalt, iron. These are these are examples of two plus uh, cations. Okay, uh, and these are the types of minerals and micronutrients that glyphosate is does a really great job at chelating or binding to, and then it makes them unavailable to us. And you know, again, this actually has implications in this this conversation of obesity that we have pervasive. Because our body, you know, our bodies have this intelligence that 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 uh, that drive us and that they drive function. And if we aren't gleaning the nutrients from our food we eat, then all of a sudden, instead of one pound of food to get these nutrients from it, we now have to eat 
more quantities of food just to try to get our nutrition. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's again in this, you know, again, besides the question of are the bacteria breaking down and, and are they influencing, you know, in a pathogenic way, if they're bad, if there's these bad organisms, an inflammatory state, which could limit the absorption, you know, the, the glyphosate chemical itself is going to bind up a lot of these nutrients. And so we are severely nutrient uh, starved because of these reasons. So it's what I'm hearing you saying as far as obesity goes, that because we're not getting the amount of nutrients that we desperately need in order to function well, that our some part of us, our body, is is pushing us to eat more to get more nutrients that we need. At a very basic level, our body is driven by feedback systems. And so our body in you know, no matter how many steps there are in a system, our body, our brain, our hormones, our uh, you know, all these enzymes that are and proteins that are receptors on cells, they are sensitive to feedback. And so, yes, one of the ways that we can say that there's some implications of our diet or the glyphosate as it is with this conversation on obesity is that, yeah, because we're picking up on the need for more nutrients, even though we're eating the same quantity of food that, you know, 40, 50 years ago would have provided that proper nutrition. Um, That's one of the things we can already identify. Another one that we mentioned is this serotonin and the, and the appetite. Um, 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 I, I, I don't know if you call it appetite suppression or just satiation. Yeah, satiation, I think is probably. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right, right, probably probably better. So so yes, you know, those are some real implications that uh because I don't I, personally I don't think this problem of obesity is a simple solution, right? It's it's right. a complex, yeah, multi-factor, Very multi-factor complex. issue. Yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah, that is a fair thing to say what you restated there. Absolutely. Oh, wow. Right. This is so, so insidious. You know, that's, you know, that that's oh that's why I think this is so important. And um, I'm I, I'm I'm going to post this as one of the most important conversations that anyone can listen to, because this is so insidious. And um, I, I think it's really scary, actually. Yeah, I, I think you're right to do that. I think you're right to do that. And you know, that, that leads us kind of to our last topic there. And, and I do, you know, you will have to have the listeners tune, tune back in because I do have a section that I've, 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 ta- I've kind of prepared some information and I can talk about uh, the testing for whether this is a major issue for people. Great. Um, and then some of the, you know, three or four or five different ways, things that people can really just do and take control in their own lives to try to help resolve some of these issues. But the last topic that we really need to, um, that's pervasive in, in this and what glyphosate does is this sulfur kind of question and specifically okay. the sulfates again, uh, because, you know, in talking about something like Alzheimer's, um, Alzheimer's is at this point being understood as a cholesterol and a sulfate deficiency. And I know that's weird to maybe be talking about hmm. cholesterol as a deficiency when we're all really trained well to, to have a fear about high and elevated cholesterol. But the problem is, is the form of cholesterol, because right. there's a free, there's a free forward, excuse me, free floating <laughs> form of cholesterol. That's yeah, that's a cholesterol sulfate. It's a combination of cholesterol and sulfate. Ah. And the problem is, is we yeah, the problem is, is this number one, 
if our bloodstream didn't have sulfate in it, it would gel. It wouldn't be fluid anymore. Oh, so the sulfur, Yeah, the sulfur is incredibly, incredibly important. And cholesterol is kind of our source of binding this sulfur in, in the body. Um, and it's a, it's, a good, it's a good cholesterol because when the cholesterol doesn't have the sulfate on it, that's when it gets packed into the LDLs. Okay. Ah, and it, okay. Right. And so the LDLs is merely a different form of cholesterol. And that's why that when that's elevated, sure, that's not a good sign. That's part of a bad a bad thing. But we want cholesterol in the sulfate form. Now here's where it ties into glyphosate. Okay. There is an enzyme that in the skin is now being implicated as a sulfur producer for the body. So that's a good thing again, right? Okay. What what is that enzyme? Uh-huh. It's called ENOS. ENOS, okay. Nitric oxide synthetase is what the NOS stands for, but there's there's a few variations in the, geno- in the genome of NOS, and the ENOS is the one that they're, and it may be the others, but right now the, re- the data is coming back that the e- ENOS specifically is being shown to have, ha- have this kind of function. So in the presence of sunlight, mm-hmm. okay, in our skin, this EONOS produces produces sulfur, and and so uh, you know obviously then you can kind of see where the implications not only to something like Alzheimer's, but then you get into heart disease and atherosclerosis. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, the, all these topics are all brought in here because of this cholesterol and this sulfur deficiency in the body. See, besides sulfur being good for the blood to make it not congeal and being good to bind cholesterol. So cholesterol then is a positive influence on our body. Besides that, sulfur is incredibly important uh, in the form of methionine, which Mm -hmm. methionine helps to drive. It's part of this methylation topic. Mm -hmm. Methionine helps to drive the um, the proper transcription of our DNA. And so there's the epigenetic control we were talking about earlier. Um, it helps to drive the activation and the inactivation of all hormones in the body. So now you tie in hormone imbalances, you know, to all these different types of things that could be suffrages um, by, by people. And, um, uh, and then also things like uh, glutathione is a, is a metabolite. It's a, it's, a, it's a product of sulfur. And so glutathione is our master antioxidant. It protects the cells. Mm-hmm. It cleans the, the other antioxidants. It recycles them for further use. Uh, glutathione is, is known, and it was, it was positioned in my brain by my mentors as the only compound that can detoxify or clean our cells out from the inside. Oh, interesting. Okay? Yeah, and so the importance of that then obviously is huge based on all the the quick little things I just mentioned there, you know. Yes, These are all topics that could be all hit on individually, really, but um, put together, put together uh, in a a quick way, this is how it affects all these various aspects of our health. So, wow. So um, am I being a good girl taking MSM every day? Yes, besides besides the besides the potential implications of gut inflammation being um, maybe a limiting factor on you absorbing some of these things mm-hmm. in the gut. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, you know uh, uh, sources of sulfur are incredibly important, and you know I've heard it. I've heard sulfur, the topic of sulfur and sulfates, being uh, mentioned as one of the most 
misunderstood or under understood. Like there's not, there's just Mm. not this information and there isn't the attention put to it uh, that there ought to be in terms of function in the body. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, Wow. And there's the same sulfur, the same sulfur topic. uh, It then uh, see sulfur, uh, a deficiency of sulfur will cause the epithelial cells of your digestive lining to shrink. Oh. And so here's where we here's where we get into this topic of leaky gut. Uh-huh. Yes, just, be, just before you uh-huh. said that, I thought, ah, leaky gut. Uh-huh. Okay, uh, exactly. fascinating. And, and there's where you, once you have leaky gut, you start getting organisms and toxins that have direct access into the bloodstream and to the immune cells, and then the immune system. You start poking the bear of the immune system over and over, and here's where we develop the 90 different flavors of autoimmunity. And, and, and the different forms of cancer. Um, and so this sulfur question is a huge one. In fact, they've already linked Crohn's and colitis to problems with sulfate in the body. Mm-hmm. 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 Wow. Well, I'm, I'm yeah. very excited to, uh, when we do our functional medicine episode, to really get into, you know, just what leaky gut is and, and what happens in the body, how it works. And Yeah, yeah. You know, you know, and, and to kind of bring it back to, you know, that combination of leaky gut with the GMO, because, you know, that's mm-hmm. really what our topic is centered around right. today. You know, it, interestingly enough, anecdotally from veterinarians and farmers, um, what they notice and even and even butchers, uh, butchers will notice that when they uh, harvest the, the meat from GMO fed animals, that there's a stench there and they they really they're thinking the scientific end of this is that there's thinking that the changes in the microbiota, the microbiome, are what really causes that. But they'll, they'll notice or odors, they'll notice discoloration. In mm. fact, they can't even use um, the intestines uh, of GMO-fed animals as sausage casing anymore because the, 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 the intestinal lining is paper thin. Huh, how do you like uh-huh. that? I didn't know that. Wow. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And, you know, again, these are some, you know, anecdotal things, but, you know, these are from people who are dealing, they, they, their livelihoods are in these realms of veterinarians, butchers, farmers, and they're noticing these tendencies of their product that have changed over the last, well, you know, especially since the early 90s when mm-hmm. uh, the use of the, you know, Roundup really, really ramped up. So, wow. Yeah. Great. Well, um, this has been just, an amazing, uh, amazing talk. I, I want to thank you so much. Um, is there anything that you want to say to wrap up on this topic of glyphosate? <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, number one, it was, it was a ton of fun sharing a lot of this with you. But uh, as you noticed, I mean, I hit on you know maybe some of the ten, the, the top ten killers, you know, in in the in you know the west in, the, in Western world, and again was only able to hit on those, and so. Just the, I think the the take home message is for people to kind of really open up their awareness, open up the opportunity for more information and learning of what the good science is that's being put out there, not to just be spoon fed the bad science um, in the various forms that it's developed. Uh, you know, keep listening, keep getting information from things like this podcast. Um, my organization functional health team is dedicated also it's another organization that's dedicated to uh to 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 getting this information out there to people and so 
you know, it's it's something that we've got to take upon ourselves to look for, be open for information, and be willing to critically think of it ourselves. Great. As soon as your website, the Functional Health Team website, is up and running, then we're going to be posting our talk on, on functional medicine and what that is and what you your expertise around that. Wow. So thank you for this portion. I look forward to many more. Absolutely. Take care. Take care. I personally feel this podcast episode is extremely important. Maybe the most important thing I can do in my life right now. The more accurate information we have, the better decisions we can make for ourselves and loved ones. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Please, please share this episode with as many people as possible. Talk to your friends, your grocer, baker, and restaurant owners. Let's make a difference. We can make a difference before it's too late. Keeping It Real with Janine, your guide to living an authentic, healthy life, is a podcast about ways to help us all take better care of ourselves and our planet. A new episode comes out every two weeks and often every week. You can find us on your favorite podcast app, and you can listen or download on the podcast website, www.realjanine.com, J-A-N-E-A-N. You can also leave comments and subscribe to the podcast mail list to receive notices of new episodes and blog posts. Please take a few minutes to share this episode. The best way to affect change is to educate everyone you know. That way we can all make more informed choices that will help us eat better, feel better, and have a more positive outlook on life. Take care and be well.